0: Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey, I'm Candice Lim. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's
1: podcast about internet culture.
0: And today. Is a big day for the ICYMI universe. The ICYMI
1: cinematic universe, the ICU, is finally meeting for the first time today in person. In person! Oh my god, yeah, we are both here holding hands in the studio. <laughs> ICYMI producer Sierra is here, Daisy is here. It's a summit of the minds.
0: have to say one of the biggest controversies surrounding working from home I think is the reveal the reveal the reveal about like your co-workers height because <laughs> I I need to say it like this whole time Rachel I I thought you were like 5'9
1: <laughs> you're not the first to say that as a thing I I give tall girl energy I have the vibe of someone who is much taller than they are I'm 5'4 um, it's a crime to me personally that I am not the height that I am in my head.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's funny because like I'm also around five four, but we like met and then we hugged, and I still was like, "You seem five nine, Like you, like you said, it's that <laughs> tall person energy.
1: I mean, that TPE. You mm. know, it's better than BDE. <laughs> well, now that we've closed that specific X file. I uh, I may not be the same height as one J.R.R. R. Tolkien. But one thing we do have in common is that we love to read a good story. To be clear, I didn't actually know off the top of my head that Tolkien was 5'9". Candace just wrote that for me. But it did remind me of a thought I had recently. Go for it. So before 2021, I'm going to reveal something. I, I had never seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies um, which, if you know me, doesn't make a ton of sense. I, I love fantasy. I love guys being dudes together. More importantly, I love homoerotic friendships. This series is made for me, but as a child and somewhat as an adult, the orcs scared me. So I just went through life with this huge cultural blind spot until 2021 when I was having, candidly, the worst summer of my life. And I was like, what if I just got so high and watched these movies? And I did. And to no one's surprise, I love them. They had that kind of feeling you get. I feel like you're gonna know what I mean, where you you think if I had seen this at a time when my brain was softer, it probably would have formed about ten percent of my personality.
0: You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do have to confess like I've never seen Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but I do know what you're talking about. Okay. I think my version of this, and I'm really clinging on to that like summer vibe. Last year was the first time I ever watched Below Deck. And Below Deck, by the way, has been going on for like 10 seasons or more and there's always so many spin-offs. so it's always on kind of like The Bachelor universe but for me it was Below Deck Down Under I was just really sweaty all summer I wanted to stay inside I jumped in and this was a situation where they dropped all the episodes on Peacock at once so I watched all 17 in a week in a few days I'm so into it. And then guess what, guys? It just came back for season two now. So, like, obviously, uh, my cells, they're regenerating. They're regenerating in the name of blood, Dick. So if you want to talk to me about that, go for it.
1: I'm really starting to think that if you had watched this as a child, you might just have an Australian accent for no reason. Yeah, mate. (laughs) That is a good but unexpected choice, I must say. (laughs) But what we're both basically talking about is the kind of, I'm going to say it, it's magical. The magical moment where you're like, I don't just like this thing. I'm a fan, capital A, capital F, a fan of this thing. And not only am I a fan of this thing, but I'm going to go engage with other fans of this thing because I need to talk to someone with the exact same mental illness as me, melting down over Aragorn saying, I would have gone with you to the end, into the very fires of Mordor. There's an edit of that quote with a Hosier song on TikTok that I watch once a week. It makes
0: me cry every single time. Mm-hmm. No, I totally get that. Because <laughs> like, I was really obsessed with The Night Agent on Netflix. And someone did an edit of it um, with that Zayn song, With You Till Dust Till Dawn with Sia. Oh, I cry every time, guys. <laughs> and so the reason we're both crying on the pod today is because we're talking about fandom and specifically one of the things that fandom does best, which is fan fiction. And even more importantly... Okay, something very scary that happened to the fanfiction world recently. On July 10th, AO3, also known as Archive of Our Own, was the victim of a cyber attack. And for those who don't have the interface permanently burned into your brain— AO3 is currently the largest repository of fanfiction on the internet. And the cyber attack, it caused an outage. And if you know anything about fanfiction and the people who write it, the people who read it, you can imagine the chaos that ensued. After a short break, we're going to
1: dive deep into that chaos and imagine something even scarier than the orcs from Lord of the Rings to seven-year-old Rachel, which is a world without AO3. Hey y'all, hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening to ICYMI, then welcome. We're so thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So you can get a double dose of ICYMI every single week. Make sure you never miss an episode like this past Wednesday's, which was all about a Shein influencer factory tour, which is a phrase I never thought I'd say.
0: Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to.
0: We were on this mission together. and We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could.
1: I'm Josh Gwynn. And I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. And we're back. Okay, so let's, you know, in the language of Maria from Sound of Music, start from the beginning. It's a very good place to start. Like you said before the break, AO3 went down on July 10th, a day that will go down in our memory in infamy.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And AO3's full name, like we said, it's Archive of Our Own, which came from Virginia Woolf's A Room of One's Own. But AO3 is a nonprofit, open source website, and it looks kind of janky. And it was started in 2008 purely as like an archive for fan fiction. I don't actually know
1: if the website has updated its interface since 2008, but that's why we love her. (laughs) So there were fan fiction websites before AO3, like Wattpad and fanfiction.net. Sites like Tumblr and LiveJournal, which weren't purely dedicated to fan fiction, still hosted a shit ton of it. But AO3 is kind of in a league of its own. For one thing, on other websites, creators would often see their works just kind of get taken down with no warning after an author or someone complained about anything from copyright to just not liking the pairing, basically. A lot of fanfic sites that still exist, like fanfiction.net, also still have to navigate copyright laws. So you can't post song fix on fanfiction.net or self-insert or fix based on real people, which is called RPF and is... Um, very controversial within the fan fiction community. So this is the environment that AO3 is born into. Like Candace said, the website was founded in 2008, but it actually came on the heels of another fan site called FanLib, which was launched in 2007 with the goal of monetizing fan works. If you know anything about fandom, you can guess that FanLib drew a lot of criticism for a few different reasons. One, it was run almost entirely by men, which um, is a problem in general, but especially in fanfiction when most of the writers and readers are women or queer people. Two, monetizing fan works actually puts the fan work creator and the sites that host them at a huge copyright risk.
0: Right. And that's because fan works exists in this very specific area of copyright law. We're not going to like get into the nitty gritty of it because we're not Seleno and Barnes, (laughs) but... There are reasons why fans are allowed to use characters and names and plot lines from copyrighted works like, I don't know, Twilight or Lord of the Rings or whatever, without Stephanie Meyer or the Tolkien estate suing them for copyright infringement. And that's because, A... These works are considered transformative, so it's not just publishing the entirety of Breaking Dawn without any substantial changes, and B, because no one's making money off it. Exactly,
1: which is why after FanLib was started and very quickly vilified, another organization emerged from the ashes, like a a beautiful redwood tree. The organization is called the Organization for Transformative Works or OTW. According to the website, OTW, quote, is a nonprofit organization established by fans to serve the interests of fans by providing access to and preserving the history of fan works and fan culture in its mirrored forms. We believe that fan works are transformative and that transformative works are legitimate. So OTW launched projects like Open Doors, which preserves fandom historical artifacts like zines or geo cities that basically would just be lost if no one actually tried to preserve them. They provide legal advocacy to the fan works community, but they're best known for launching archive of our own.
0: Mm -hmm. And both OTW and AO3 are entirely volunteer run. At the end of 2021, OTW had just over a thousand volunteers running it. Meanwhile, AO3 in and of itself has like 700 volunteers and they're split up into departments. Like with AO3, there's documentation, communications, policy and abuse, tag wrangling. Like this is basically a tech company structure. And there's even this elected board of directors. Which
1: makes it even wilder that it's entirely volunteer run. It's astounding to think about when you consider the scale of the website. According to their 2021 annual report, there were 23 billion page views on AO3 in the calendar year of 2021. There are currently more than 11 million works on AO3 spread across 59,000 fandoms. I know I make library of Alexandria jokes on this podcast all the time, but AO3 actually kind of does represent one of the most extensive efforts to preserve fandom history, which is really important because fan works tend to disappear, especially if no one's trying to preserve them or if websites are actively hostile to them, which a lot of sites are.
0: And if you're wondering, like, how can a site that looks like it was built in 2008 with millions of archived fan works and volunteers, like, how are they organizing this stuff? How will I find Zayn Malik X Reader <laughs> content? Well, I think that's where tag wrangling comes in. Right. So, like, Rachel, what is that? Phenomenal question. So I would say the thing that
1: makes AO3, AO3 is the tagging system. It basically allows for users to very hyper-specifically curate that experience. So if you're looking for that Zayn Malik X Reader fanfic, so easy to find. But if you're looking for, let's, you know, borrow from my... Recent Lord of the Rings exposure. Let's say I'm looking for an Aragorn slash Legolas fanfic that was a modern AU or alternative universe that was also fluffy and not sad, or at least had a happy ending. And then I also wanted to sort the fix that this brought up by Kudos, which is basically the rating system for AO3. I could do all of that in less than a minute because of how well designed the tagging system is on AO3. And it's super accessible, partially because of just the fans who are involved in generating content, but also because of these tag wranglers who are this army of volunteers who have claimed specific fandoms and basically settle and condense what can be a wildly unwieldy system. So... Tag wranglers are the reason that if you were to write a fanfic based off of the show Elementary starring Lucy Liu, an icon, it'd also be included under Sherlock Holmes and related fandoms. There are tags that are synonymized or sinned. So that means that if you tag Wolfstar, which is the ship name for Sirius Black and Remus Lupin in the Harry Potter universe, it's going to be the same as tagging straight up Sirius Black slash Remus Lupin.
0: And, you know, importantly, AO3 is not just relevant to fans, though honestly, that should be enough of a reason. In 2019, AO3 won a Hugo Award for Best Related Work, which was this really lovely recognition of how much value fan works have. And I think there's kind of this conception among non fanfic readers that because fan fiction is derivative, that it's inherently not as creative. But to those people, I think we'd say that like look at clueless clueless is technically jane austen fan fiction and not a single one of you <laughs> better argue about the value of share horowitz i mean the outfits alone
1: and listen i know most of you out there have mixed feelings about 50 shades of gray which you should partially because it started as a twilight fan fiction but the thing is the soundtrack slapped every single one and it gave us dakota johnson which gave us the downfall of Ellen. And that, that's just a global good.
0: Yeah. And you know, like on a serious note, fan works are increasingly being turned into their own original IP. You know, there's this movie series, it's called After. And I'm not really sure if anyone in my life actually watched it, but it started as a Harry Styles fanfic. Cassandra Clare's She's got the series called The Mortal Instruments. It has passages directly taken from her Harry Potter fanfiction days. And another one, The Kissing Booth, that was originally posted on Wattpad. New York Times best-selling romance novel The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. That started as Star Wars
1: fanfic. It's kind of turning into a bit of a Ouroboros, if you will, of fan works being created about texts that started as fan works. I'm sure we're going to enter the third layer soon. And personally, I love it. I want to see a fan work about something that started as a fan work about something else that started as a fan work. You know, I want to be three degrees separated from any semblance of original IP, which is why I screamed in dismay early this month when I saw that AO3 was indefinitely down. How was I going to read
0: my Kindle Roy fan fiction? Hmm. Hmm. And look, we are gonna get back to you reading Succession fan fiction at a later date. Personally, I'm a Tom Scam ex-reader, but you are right that we do now need to talk about what happened when Ao3 went dark. We'll do that after
1: a short break, and we're back. So, so far, we have given you, the listener, a rundown of what AO3 is. Now, it's time to talk about what happened to AO3.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, when AO3 went down, they tweeted from their account at AO3 underscore status that they were aware the site was down, but they didn't know why. Volunteer staffers were still investigating it, but there was simply a problem with no solution in sight.
1: And in case you couldn't tell from our extremely spirited description of this website, um, people are really invested in AO3. And those people were upset. I'm going to read some choice tweets um, from my burner account. Someone wrote, the library of Alexandria is on fire. Someone else tweeted, it's been 14 hours without AO3. I'm starting to lose taste in my right eye and sight in my left leg. Someone else tweeted, what if AO3 never comes back? We just saw the downfall of society. And it's true. I do think AO3 going down is, you know, one of the horsemen of the apocalypse.
0: Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I'm mad because Joe Biden, he should have given us the day off. Mm -hmm. Anyway, five hours pass and AO3 does figure out what happened. But it is not good because AO3 confirms that they were the victim of a DDoS attack or a distributed denial of service attack.
1: Yeah, and this is a little different than, like, when hackers steal credit card info from 70 million target customers. Those hackers basically take those credit card numbers and sell them on black market fraud sites. With AO3, you don't and actually can't buy stuff on it. It's Site policy that you're not allowed to even like link your Venmo or PayPal so people can tip you. So there isn't any customer information
0: to hack. Mm -hmm. And a DDoS attack is basically when a person or organization with malicious intent floods a website with traffic. So they basically overwhelm the system by, like, ordering way more bots than usual to try to log onto the site. Think of, like, Taylor Swift, Eras Tor, Ticketmaster stuff. Just, like, way more users than expected, way more users than the system can handle.
1: And this is important for AO3 because, again, they are run. On volunteer labor they don't make a profit they are in fact a nonprofit organization and it costs apparently somewhere around 260,000 dollars to run this site which is free to use so it's not like AO3 has just the cash on hand to expand their servers on a whim
0: or protect themselves the way target.com does hmm Exactly. So the attacker floods the website, the network just can't handle it, meaning the website crashes. And when it crashes, regular users, so these are like writers and readers, they can't get onto the site. They can't access their work. They can't publish work, read work, nothing.
1: I mean, it's terrorism. I couldn't access, again, my Kindle Roy fan fiction. And I'm joking, but not really because someone did claim credit for the attack, which... Why are we admitting the crimes on the Internet? What are we doing here? The group who allegedly attacked them is called Anonymous Sudan. And they posted this on Telegram, which is like this messaging app that was founded in Russia. And they said that this was part of a campaign to target companies registered specifically in the United States.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's twofold. You know, they were going after websites started in the West, but they also wrote. Quote, we are against all forms of degeneracy and the site is full of disgusting smuts and other LGBTQ plus and NSFW things.
1: I mean, let's be real. AO3 has both in large quantities. And that's why we love her. So Anonymous Sudan then asked for a ransom saying they're expecting 30,000 U.S. dollars to be wired to them via Bitcoin within the next 24 hours, which I thought cryptocurrency was failing. I thought it was a flop at this point. Anyway, they said if they get the Bitcoin, they'll stop all DDoS attacks immediately and never attack the site again. Otherwise, they'll keep it down for weeks. Weeks! (laughs)
0: Yeah, so there's like a lot of threatening going on and it's not only annoying because like AO3 is a part of some people's daily routines, but they also make it clear that they are anti-LGBTQ plus and they're against explicit content. So this kind of ends up becoming about suppression and censorship.
1: Yeah, there was a fan of AO3 named Drake George who was quoted in a Today.com article about the crash, uh, which by the way, also included a threat to lose millions of stories archived on the site. And Drake says this was a low blow because, quote, there's so many authentic different experiences that you can get from reading fan fiction. It's such a melting pot of different perspectives and cultures. And it's so true. I mean, the difference between a Dr. Hulak fan fiction and a Marvel fan fiction and a Star Trek fan fiction, Naruto fan fiction... There's so many. There's fanfiction about journalists. Is that true? Yes, you can go find Chris Hayes fanfiction right now on AO3.com. No, yes, you no, can. Chris Hayes. Hay- no, Chris Hayes ex-reader. No. <laughs> no. You can go find Steve Kornacki 2020 election fanfiction right this moment.
0: Okay, but that one I'm okay with because he did become <laughs> a queer icon with them khakis. Okay. And I keep coming back to this idea of AO3 being a nonprofit because, you know, they literally are just trying to put written work out there. Like when AO3 was started, they didn't really focus on creating community. They actually just wanted to make a digital archive for fan fiction. And I think about the self-publishing industry like last year, for example. 51% 51% of overall ebook sales came from self-published authors. And that's real money. And, you know, AO3 is maybe like a segment or a path to that publishing world. And at this moment, you know, people don't really pay to read your fan fiction on AO3. So if they say it's good, it's because they like it. They just want to read it. They want to see what your imagination can do. And to me, the downfall of AO3 is... It would be a threat to that creativity or that pathway towards becoming a published author, if that's like your dream, or just having a very honest, creative outlet. So I just feel like attacking that is kind of mean. It's just anti-joy. Back to the attack itself, though, it
1: somehow is both anti-joy and incredibly confusing because AO3, they pulled in some sources. They got the squad back together. They pulled someone out of retirement. A.K. some consultants, to try and help get their site back up. And they tweeted that cybersecurity experts believe the group who attacked them is not actually who they say they are. They're lying about their affiliation, and they're lying about their reasons for attacking websites. It's a twist so strange it might be in fan fiction.
0: Mm, yeah, I really hope someone wrote fan fiction about this attack. <laughs> yeah, you know, Alistair MacGibbon, he's the chief strategy officer for CyberCX. That's a cybersecurity company in Australia. He spoke to the Guardian Australia and he said, quote, it really stems from the Russian government proclivities to drive division in society. They don't really care about the issue, anti-racism, pro-environment or whatever. They just get into whatever it is that matters to harm targets. In this case, the West,
1: which I got to say kind of makes sense to me because if I'm being completely honest, 30 thousand dollars in bitcoin feels kind of low also again bitcoin that's gonna be worth like five dollars in six months i just don't understand actually i don't think that's how conversion works anyway i don't know i just don't trust it my shark tank brain kicked in and went really not even with a 30 vested interest barbara corcoran would never Mm -hmm.
0: and like what are they gonna do sell the fan fiction (laughs) really and McGibbon said there's a likelihood that this attack came from a state or like government sanctioned thing where maybe they were directed to threaten sites in the West to basically just like cause fear, make people scared, but not for like money as the central interest.
1: I mean, they did inspire deep, deep fear in me, but not for long because all this threatening leads to AO3 coming back online the following day. So it was down for about a day, which did Cause a bit of discord, I'm not going to lie. But they were able to stand up some new protections from Cloudflare, which is a cybersecurity company in the United States.
0: Mm -hmm. And companies like Lyft and Tinder and Medium.com, they use Cloudflare. So they are like experienced in handling a lot of user traffic. Apparently, AO3 now has kind of a new setup, at least on the back end. So a few features were temporarily disabled. Like you couldn't send invites to have someone join AO3, but that came back up. And by the end of the week, most of the website was functioning as normal, which
1: is kind of funny because AO3 at first glance doesn't have the most um, exciting user interface, I'll say conservatively. But for now, we owe praise to the good people of AO3. Again, volunteers. They're doing this for free 99 for working on this, keeping it running because Honestly, a lot will be missing from my life without AO3. Like, I don't need a fancy user interface. I just need to access my Kindle Roy X reader fan fiction. Thank
0: mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. And, you know, I want to wrap this up on a good note. So, Rachel, I want to know. What is your favorite AO3 fanfic? Is there maybe like a title you'd like to recommend to the listener? So this isn't my first foray into recommending fanfiction on this here podcast.
1: For those who know, we did a whole episode on all the young dudes way back in 2022, which was a Harry Potter fanfiction that I loved So I'm going to give you another one. This is for the Avatar The Last Airbender girlies out there. Specifically the ones who think and know that the only misstep in the entire series is having Katara and Aang end up together. Because we all know it should have either been Katara choosing herself. Or Zuko and Katara. So this fic offers a little bit of both. It's called Such Selfish Prayers by Andromeda3116. It's 47,000 words. I'm not going to lie. I almost said it's only 47,000 words, but that is longer than a novella. But it gives us the ending we deserved. What about
0: you? That was beautiful. Thank you. That was beautiful. Okay, um, mine is called We Fell in Love on Thursday and it's by Somewhat Stories and it is about Carmi from The Bear, season one specifically. Falling in love with his neighbor across the hall who is a baker. Now, I do think it's important to note that this was season one, so this is before Carmi had a romantic interest in the show, but I think that's probably something I liked about the fic, which is that it kind of you know, filled a hole in his life that a lot of people were curious about, mm-hmm. thinking about, mm-hmm. thirsting about at the time. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, I I tend to kind of love like Richie or Mikey fix more because Mikey, for example, very mysterious, really only in there for a few minutes. But he's like very, very interesting and grungy. And so like any time someone tries to fill in the gaps on his life or like, you know, imagine who he was dating at the time. Like, I'm very happy to read those suggestions. I accept them all. Also, John Bernthal, ex-reader, always happy to see the link.
1: I mean, I mean, what a man, what a man. Honestly, I, I don't even know how to end this episode because I'm just thinking about John Berthold now.
0: Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe something I want to hear about is just like, I don't know. What do you think a world without AO3 would be like? Like, what do you think maybe even personally has been impacted by the way AO3 has like sparked your creativity or stuff like that? Because you're a writer. You write very well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, my life would be a darker place
1: without AO3. AO3 makes finding fanfiction so easy. And I think a dynamic about fandom that existed before this kind of current iteration of fan sites is that if you didn't know how to get in, it was kind of hard to figure out like where to start. What was the good fanfiction? Where would you find it? What website could you be on? Did you have to be like in an author's circle to get access to it? Like people who had locked live journals. Whereas now, AO3 is pretty much open access. There are some fan fictions that you can only access if you have an account, but most of them are pretty much viewable for anybody. And I love that. It makes fandom really accessible. It makes it really easy to just be like, I want the highest quality fan fiction and I can sort that immediately right now. It's great. My life would be darker without AO3. Mm-hmm. I would be so much more bored.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I think the same thing. I think, you know... It's interesting because fan fiction still gets kind of a weird rap nowadays where it's Mm. a thing people don't want to talk about, but they still do and see and use. Even myself, I make jokes about it all the time, but I think... Uh, the thing people don't say enough about fanfic is the way that it is actually a mirror I think it's a mirror to the way we consume media because for example there was this interesting time a few years ago where Anthony Mackie he's the Falcon in the MCU he has a show on Disney Plus and you know, it is not uncommon knowledge that people write fanfics about his character and Bucky Barnes, or you know, the Bucky Barnes, Steve Rogers stands. I think they're called Stucky, and just these this shipping that. Let's be very clear, very queer, gay, all this stuff, and it's interesting because Anthony Mackie was kind of approached with a question about it, and his comment, to paraphrase, was just that, like. He didn't really care about it or that he didn't really understand why people would try to ship two men together when they were clearly not intended to from the writers of the MCU, whatever. And that I felt like was such a dig at like his fans, at the people who come to those conventions to see him, but also just like at the people who watch the MCU and those movies and the lore and the comics. And what they're really looking for is a way to enter it as themselves. Because, like we kind of mentioned up top, there is this kind of interesting demographic of the fanfiction community. It's a lot of women, it's a lot of queer people, it's a lot of people who don't even realize that they are entering their queer journeys. But there is always a fic or a story or a character or something where if they can write themselves into it, if they can kind of write themselves, into these narratives that they can build and these worlds that they feel comfortable in, maybe the world they live in will feel a little better, a feel a little more welcoming and comforting to the person they want to be, the person they think they are, all this stuff. And so coming back to just like AO3 and its purpose in society, once again, even though I keep digging on how ugly this site is, <laughs> and by the way, one of my favorite things is when you um, go on like explicit like fan it'll say at the top like <laughs> uh click this button to proceed to confirm there is sexual content be aware mm-hmm. and i'm like yo proceed proceed <laughs> proceed <laughs> i think it's funny because it's asking me permission to like feel seen and i'm like hell yeah any day of the week tom x reader kendall x rachel i get it <laughs>
1: I mean, fan fiction is. It's about imagining yourself in a world that maybe didn't include you. Mm. And now it can because you can just type, type, type into your little AO3 account and other people out there will say, I like that. Picasso, give more of it to me. So honestly, this one's for you, AO3 and all those volunteers. Y'all are doing the Lord's work. Give them a Nobel Peace Prize
0: oh my god 100% look if they can give like all those people who like I don't know save the capital whatever like a like a little freedom medal of freedom (laughs) where's the AO3 volunteers where's their Pulitzer like Gandhi who yeah BTS went to the White House why can't they (laughs) I don't get it
1: get AO3 to the White House
0: (laughs) okay that's the show We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. That way, you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify, and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at icymi_pod, underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, hey Candace, where can I find this Kendall Roy X Rachel fanfic? And you can always drop us a note at IcyYMI at Slate.com.
1: ICYMI is produced by Sarah Spragley Ricks, Candace Slim, and me, Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online.
0: Or on the newly protected AO3.